Welcome to Rap Fiesta. Welcome to Rap Fiesta. What up, everybody? Welcome to Rap Fiesta. To Rap Fiesta. Rap Fiesta. To Rap Fiesta. Rap Fiesta. Welcome to the Rap Fiesta podcast. Waiting for that audio to connect. I think you gotta connect that audio. Yo, what's good, fam? Yo, is it okay if I do this in the car? Yeah, you're straight. No worries. I bet. I, what's the I mood right now? I've been shooting, so I'm headed to the the studio right now. My uh my manager Musa just called me asked me if I wanted to do a session. I was already in the valley, so I said fuck it. I've been shooting a uh I've been shooting a video all day to this uh. I don't know if you heard the song by Westside Boogie and uh, Joey Badass outside, but I did a freestyle to it. Oh, that's what's up. I have like a, a It's hard. I've been shooting like a day in the life type video to it all day. Shit. Also, I've been just running around. I just left my homie Ray Vaughn crib. I was with my nigga Dave B earlier. Damn, you making a lot of that. I like it, man. I don't know about yeah, no time to waste. I'm so glad to get you on the pod, man. Kembe X, Chicago rap legend. And we, so what's good, fam? How's the week been going for you? Going great, man. It's going great. Um, I've just been busy. I've been I've been keeping myself busy, coming up with new ideas, um, and doing my best to just execute them. Um, and studying, studying like the, you know, the landscape of like social media and how I want to move forward now. Cause I think for the first time ever, I feel like equipped. Not only like my last step, my last phase is feeling equipped to make the best music and put out the best music and uh, compete on that level. But now I feel like I have a good understanding of just like the landscape of everything and how things work um, so that I can actually push myself into the, you know, into the the conversation that everybody's having. Are you planning on elevating the social media game? Things changing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, so I, for one, it's just a lot of, it's, there's ideas I have for how to make the music bigger than just like an announcement post. And even like the little skits I'll be doing is cool, but, I have bigger ideas, um, just video, video campaigns, visual campaigns, and um, it's more it's more about the approach and just having the strategy. Because I've been I've been doing this, I've been rapping since before Instagram, you know. So like, when I was a kid, so like, you know I always looked at. You know, a video I was just watching, man, the 2011 Cipher on YouTube with you, Chance, Alex Wiley, and No Name. Like, you know what video uh, I'm talking about? Yeah, Lucky is in that too. Yeah, yo, you look like yeah. so different than how you look now. It's crazy. Bro, I was I was 16 years old. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I was how 16. You, how did you guys like all get together to do that? Um, you'll hear and everybody that everybody that's in that video has talked about this place. Also, fun fact, you remember put him in a coffin? Nah. Oh, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. The meme that, shit. That, that dude is the one that was filming that. No way. Von oh. R, yeah. So. That blows, like, you guys had way too much talent in one video. That's crazy. Where are you from? Where are you from? Where are I'm, you based out of? I'm from New York, in the city. Okay, so every everybody there, every artist has ever been asked about that. We all talk about U Media, which is a program at the Harold Washington Library, which is downtown, like a haven from, like, if you went to school in like the hood or you lived in the hood and you kind of, it was like an after-school program. They had, stu- they had studios, they was teaching people how to make beats. And it's kind of crazy. Like this is like a success story of an after-school program at a public library. That's if you really think, if you're really asking, like it's not just that, but that's how a lot of us connected. And they had open mics, poetry slams. You could do poems or you could do like, you could perform a song. 
And, um, you know, Chance used to perform there every week. I never performed there, but I always go, I would always go because I had just started making music and I just wanted to kind of see, I wanted to feel that out, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, like it was that. And then also the, like Chicago was a big city, but as far as, especially like black kids, it's really small. A lot of people's related or like there's, you know, it's only so many schools. There's like a lot of black kids and the charter schools and the private school. If you went to a private school, you one of the few black kids, everybody know each other and shit. So it's kind of like, you know, we all hung out in the same places in the city. We all was going to the same parties, um, you know, so that's the that's the best way I could explain it. Also, that it is just some like random ass shit that I look up and it's people like my first manager that I'm that took me to my first studio. I don't know if you heard of the, the clothing line Richetta. Nah. Um, but it's like, you know, some shit that like it's like one of those popping like urban, like streetwear brands. It's super fire, super creative. But um that was my first manager made that brand and I like Gunna and Young Thug and Gunna oh, Queens and like oh. all you you've definitely seen it. That picture of that picture of YNW Melly when he in the Genius interview and he like smiling hella big yeah. on that black jacket. That's a and it says Richeza all over it. That's a Richeza coat. That's major. That's what's up. Yeah. So that was just kind of like, but um, like in what, a, what it was in other cities like in New York, every artist comes up like by themselves in a way. Like they don't really mingle like that. Like you guys really were embracing each other. You guys really came and cultivated that energy. It was like real dope to see. I think it was a lot of that had to do with just how like how the internet and social media was advancing. And we also, like when we all met each other, we was like in the same spot. Like it wasn't like, like the most popping artists in Chicago, like in 2011, 2010 on some rap shit, like from our age group was Vic Mensa. Like yeah. Vic Mensa uh, was like the one that was like, niggas was like, yeah, he just did, a, he just uh, doing meetings with Def Jam. And, you know, he and then kids these days, they was like touring and shit. But like all of us at that, specific time we was like just recording where we could and like still on some high school shit we was in high school you know what i mean so it wasn't it wasn't even like a to an extent looking back it's like yeah we were supporting each other on some artist to artist shit but it was really just like this is where we went and artists was at and we got to know each other we was around each other that's dope and was that the turning point for you to start taking rap seriously when was when did that occur so for me it's kind of weird like when i started rapping I didn't tell nobody so I was taking it serious on some like I'm not even gonna tell people I rap until I feel like I'm good at it I like that you know and then so that was probably like six months and then by then like I didn't I didn't know how I was gonna do it though so there was a time a long period of time where I did, had no idea how I was gonna navigate the world to figure out you know how to get in the industry but I always took it serious I treated rap like um when I decided I didn't know what I wanted to do in college and I was gonna drop out of high school and just get my GED. And like, if rap didn't pan out in any way, I would just go back to school. It was because I didn't want to be in college debt for no reason. And I figured if I put all that energy into music, that it would, you know, that something would come of it. So I always took it serious. I feel you, I'm like 80 grand in debt right now. Like, it's not fun, but what you gonna do? But yo, I'm I wanted to pay off her college debt since she was, like 48 damn that's i don't want to hear that, that and that was around that time so i was like <laughs> look but uh, i want to start in the early days like the first time i heard of you was in soundcloud 2016 like just that talk back how important was SoundCloud yeah. for your come up i think i i think i i underappreciated it it was very important um 
I started dropping songs on SoundCloud, I think, like consistently in like 2014, summer 2014. I put out a song called ADD. Um, and like seeing the numbers of how I think it did like I hadn't put out music in a while. And I hadn't, it was before, like outside of videos, you didn't really see the numbers of your songs. Like it was when I first started dropping music, you was dropping shit on like Bear Share. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My, like my, mega upload and shit like that. All that. You know, so when I saw that it did like 25,000 streams in like three or four days, I was like, damn, like I'm actually, I still, because also I had to put out music. So I was like, did my, did I lose my fan base? Like I didn't know what it was, but it was super important and it, and it, it helped me like, um, it helped me gauge the people. And, you know, obviously SoundCloud broke so many artists. I personally feel like I should have put out way more shit on SoundCloud. Really? Like I should have I should have flooded SoundCloud. Um, but, you know, for also at that time, I didn't make nearly as much music as I make now. So SoundCloud was like a dope medium because it felt like when I first heard that record, I felt like I knew you. It was like really raw and gritty. You had your profile yeah. you respond back to people, especially yeah. that record. What was the inspiration behind it, behind Talk Back? Um, I I think that's like a uh oh shit. Yeah, I think your camera just yeah, there you go. My fault. I just somebody just tried to call me. Um but that song is like more like a personality type of song. Like obviously I like at that time I just came to LA. I was living at the Carson House, the TE house with Isaiah and SZA, everybody. And, and all these producers, it was just a lot of people. And I would, sometimes it was so many of us in that one bedroom for a certain amount of time that I had to sleep on the floor if, if somebody was on the couch. So like, I was rapping about that. But really, you know, the song and that project title was just about like, I'm the type of person that is gonna speak up about some shit. Like if I'm not fucking with some shit. Yeah, so. it, sound, it sounded like you were like writing it on the floor, like in a basement, like real like raw grit. But, I actually was at, because that's produced, you know who Hippie Sabotage is? Yeah. The, I was actually at their crib, like, when they first did their deal, like, before, I want to say before they got, they did Stay High, um, or, like, right around the time they just did Stay High, and it was starting to get, like, to a million plays, which now has, like, a billion. Um, I was just, I was staying at the crib in San Diego, because I would do anything I could just to get out the crib. There's still so many people. Everybody was leaving the house all the time, so. I was in San Diego and I was just sleeping on the couch, smoking mad weed. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a different vibe. It felt like because also I was newer out here. I had just moved from Chicago to LA, so Southern California was brand new. It was a whole different thing. That's the same year you linked with TDE, right? 2013. 2013. So I, I moved. Oh. I moved out. I moved out August 20th is the day that I landed. Um. August 20th, 2013. And I did that. That was probably, they didn't move to, or if, even if they were in San Diego, they were in college, the hippies were. Um, but then when they stopped going to college because they got that deal, um, that was like around 2014, summer 2014. And I have been working with them since Soundtrack to Armageddon, since like the end of 2012. So, you know, it was just, it was just waiting to link to it. And what's, the, what's that journey been like, just being part of TDE, being part of something so successful? Um, it's, it's amazing, bro. Like being able to see things so up close and, you know, get the, get the inside perspective of, you know, like when you're a fan of something, also Kendrick was my favorite rapper. Like, yeah, you know, like you have, so was some of my favorite rappers when I'm 17, 18 years old, 
moving out here when I was 19 was like kind of like a lot for me at first. For one, that was another thing too. Like it was a lot um, to take in, but to be able to just see the process on a team level and then the thought process and the approach and the different approaches from all these artists that I look up to, it, it gave me a lot of insight. And, you know, the main thing that it taught me is just like, you can never go wrong, you know, making a lot of songs but it's also when it's time to put the music out, you still have to refine that into, uh, and it's something that makes sense. And it's something that when it gets to you, you understand it. You know what I'm saying? When it gets to you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You understand it and it's yeah. not just, cause it could just be a tight song, you know, but it has to be a little bit more than that. And but, what, yeah, I learned I'm at a minimum, yeah. What was it like meeting Kendrick for the first time as a young Kemba? Um, It was surreal. I actually met Kendrick Lamar the first time uh, the summer 2012, because the person that was managing me at the time, shout out to Script, he actually came out to LA with me when I came out here, and he ended up doing like some management for SZA for a while. Um, he he booked Kendrick's first show in Illinois, like back in 2010 type shit. So I think him, Wiz, and Mac Miller was on this Up and Smoke tour in 2012, and it was at an amphitheater in the suburbs of Chicago. And I just remember when I we was trying to like finesse our way in the show. And uh, I remember uh, Sir Michael Rocks from the Cool Kids that pulled up. Yeah. Clean ass six series. And he he was one of the first people from bigger artists from Chicago that embraced me. And like he pulled up and saw me and started roasting me and shit. And he was like, when he parked his car, got out, he was like, he was like, what y'all trying to get in? He like, just come with me. So oh, I went in there. Like we didn't even end up going in the way we were supposed to. And it was like, boom, uh, Mac Miller, boom. No uh, way. Wiz Khalifa. Oh, you got all yeah. of them. That's crazy. Yeah, before I even saw anybody from TD, you know, you saw that was back when they all was wearing that one hood, like the 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 infamous TDE hoodie with the red underline on it and shit. Oh, um, I was was I seventeen? Yeah, so you were still young. I was seventeen, about to turn eighteen. You were rapping back then, though. That's that must have been huge. Yeah, but I think Loki, like looking back around that time. I'm still the type of person that like, like now I make way more songs in a high volume, but it's like, it can still be like here and there, you know, like I have like a three month period where I'm just going ham and then a two, three month period where now me not going ham, I'm still making a lot of music. But back then it would be like, I didn't make no songs for like three or four months. So I think seeing that put me in a space of like, just like wanting to like, man, this shit is so close to me. Like, you know, but then, yeah, like, when I met I met Kendrick like in passing the first time like I I mean it was on the tour bus but the shit was cool the shit was I I it's like every time I met Kendrick it's been a huge deal though because I've still never really sat down and had a I've seen text threads of, of him talking to my manager about my music but I still haven't gotten a chance. What to is that down. like? <laughs> it's it's crazy, bro. It's always compliments. It's always like some you know like constructive like I see his like the growth is immense is what he's always saying. And when I was about to drop my last project, um, it my the tweet of my album did well because he retweeted it from his Twitter page, and um, you know he don't ever use Twitter, you know what I'm saying? But like right before that, my uh, my manager asked if he would retweet it, and he was like, "Yeah," and like you know he also doing a look, like he looked like he coming into his own vibe, and he feeling himself, and like it was really like. You know, I'm sure if I would, but also I'm sure if I like would have had conversations with him. So by the time I start having conversations and get to meet him for real, for real, like sit down with him, it'll be a little bit less crazy, I think. You know what I'm saying? But that shit is crazy as fuck. 
it's it's crazier than I'm letting on. Nah, still <laughs> just to get that acknowledgement from a legend, like to arguably one of the best rappers to ever live. Like that's big. That I know that's gotta feel good. And even on your level of you're pretty big, so it's like still. And you got you already yeah. you got a lot of legends on on your records. You got Absol, J Rock, Isaiah Rashad, Danny Brown. What's it like for you to have records with these high caliber artists? Sometimes I forget that I have records with, you know, like with, because especially with Isaiah, like the, the first song I made with Isaiah was in 2012. You know, I've known Isaiah since before he was signed. Like, that's like my my friend. That's like my brother, for real, you know. So like, like with him now, like I want to work with him so bad, you know, but it's like harder now because everybody is on their like busy body shit. You yeah. Know? So it's hard to catch up with people, but like, you know, like the like I'll be forgetting I have that song with Danny Brown. <laughs> uh working with Soul is crazy. Working with Soul is a little bit intimidating because he's so nice. But it always makes you like wanna like step your shit up, you know. But yeah, I mean it's I would recommend it. <laughs> you feel me? Like Excellent. working with the people that's like really, you know, that sounded so arrogant. But working with, <laughs> working with the people that's like uh you know, grading your field is like a is a blessing, and it definitely definitely tests whether like how serious you are about your shit. Well, you're that type of artist now, so how does it feel when you get some young talent trying to work with you and hitting you up on that front? If if I meet somebody new that really like hits me up and is nice like that, like I I always embrace all those people have been like homies, like are like are my homies now because it's like I want to be around people that. When they play me music, I start sweating a little bit. Like, damn, like, you know, I don't know. Like, niggas don't even niggas don't even know about you yet, and yeah. like, you're like that. You feel me? So I always, I always embrace that. I always, and I always use that. You know, I want to be. We all want to be better than everybody, at least in our own way. You know, so um, I just, I just try to pay attention to like what people are doing and what fuels people. How different. Everybody works different too. Like some people make some of the best shit I ever heard. And they don't make music all the time. You know what I'm saying? So I just pay attention to like all the little details of how everybody's different and see what I can adjust and maybe an approach that I could try because we're never the same person like for a long period. We always change. You know? Facts. And yo, you pretty much quit music in 2016. Then you came back with Kembe X in 2017. What were you doing for that whole year? Um. So actually that's not, so 20, can, the Kembe, XEP is a project I did with Cyan in 2014. Oh, but really? it got put on DSPs. They got put on DSPs in 2017. Word. So really, it was 2016. Damn, you took a long to, break. Holy to, shit! To like the beginning of 2018. But this is the thing. Like at that point, I was starting to make more and more music. I just like didn't like it. So it wasn't that I quit. It's just that my mindset was like, I don't care how this shit turns out. I don't care. You know, at that time, like I, I didn't super care, but I, I make music like habitually at this point. You know, you have people trying to get you back into the groove when you were like, "Nah, I need a break." Yeah, I mean, like, like, like Musa not going for that shit at all, for real. Like, I think he understood it from a, a mental and emotional standpoint because, you know, I was still like struggling super financially. Um, and I had just lost a friend. I was going through like a, like I was in a very toxic relationship. So I think from that standpoint, he understood it, but most of what he had to say about it was like, man, you need to get in that studio and like, you know, find the right headspace. So pretty much everybody, pretty much everybody that's involved in my career was like, 
whatever, nigga, like, <laughs> you know, but I appreciate that too. But I, I think, I think as a, as artists, you know, we have to have that, um, we have to feel that freedom to be like, I don't have to do this shit. Cause like, yeah, it's, it's dope to have the hunger, like, like rapping or making a song, like I gotta be the greatest, but also it shouldn't feel like you're doing chores. You know, it should feel like I really want this shit. You know what I mean? Like I really want to be doing this. So having that balance is amazing. So when did you, what was the turning point that got you back into it? Um, honestly, I would give a lot of credit to Cal Banks. When um, Musa flew out Cal Banks and signed him um, to the label, Cal was like, like, we became like instant brothers. And he just dropped a lot of wisdom on me about like, like being grateful and like, you know, me and him are both like God-fearing men. And he talked to me about God a lot and just like what it means to be grateful in actions. And like, also he told me like, if if you don't want to make music, cause I used to just be in this, this is, why I, this is my problem. I used to be in the studio three, four days in a row, but I wouldn't make anything. And I would just started to hate the studio. Yeah. And he would be like, bro, if you don't want to make music, don't be in the studio. And I was staying in the studio cause I just wanted to like, if any inspiration came, get it out. But I started to allow myself to not be in the studio and just live life. And just that freedom, once again, it's like, I'm, I guess I'm somebody that puts a lot of pressure on myself, you know? And that's just me. Um, I don't recommend that work well in those circumstances. But, you know, whenever I'm able to take that pressure off myself, all the beautiful ideas and, like, the, the flow state comes to me. And, um, yeah, like that. It, it was Cal. It was really Cal, and it was amazing. I was I was around awesome. my nigga Marcel. I was around him a lot. I was able to make able to make a lot of dope shit with him. Excuse me. And um, yeah. Nah, that's insightful because a lot of people overwork themselves and then they juice themselves of all the inspiration. And what else you got? You can't go to the studio if you're not inspired. I feel. But um, right. you came back in 2019. You dropped your second album. I was depressed until I made this. It's such a strong yes. title. What what yeah. state of mind were you in before the drop of that album? <laughs> so like, <laughs> I got a troll answer for that. Go ahead. Because I named that title, I named the album that because all my projects have been these concepts that were a little bit deeper than the surface surface, and it was something I would have to explain. So I I wanted to name the album something that know that I would never have to explain you feel me um but like to be real I was coming out of that space where I didn't want to make music I didn't want to live like I was you know to be frank um and I was like just I became an alcoholic I'm a recovering alcoholic um I started doing like all these drugs and shit like shit that I never thought that I would do and um you know when I started to to think a little bit differently and, and calm down. I was still drinking heavy, I'm not gonna lie. But I started to think differently about life. I started to feel more like grateful. I started to feel more like there's something that I can do to notice the bright spots of life and, and pay attention to them and remember how it feels to feel okay. Remember how it feels when I have a day, even on the worst days, this is what I say, even on the worst days you laugh. And if you pay attention to how you feel when you're laughing and like actually remember that feeling, then you can carry that energy a little bit into the next day. 
and into the next thing that you do. And um, that was that's pretty much where the title came from. Originally, I was gonna call it Project Something Completely Different, but it was another one of those things that had some like deep explanation, and I was like, nah, this time I'm a this title is gonna be so self-explanatory. Um, that you know, as soon as niggas see it, they're gonna know what to expect. You know. Yeah, could, no, it is self-explanatory. It's like you were depressed until you got out of your, your, you know, the the agony you were in, and then you came out with something yeah. great. So, do yeah. you, you have any advice for artists who are giving it all they got and it's just not working out for them? How do they get over that hump? Um. Well, the seeing things work out on the like in the world, you don't really get to pick when that happens. But there's always, you can always be, if you're applying yourself, if you're able to keep an optimistic and calm demeanor and just a, like mindset of life, there's always small things you can do to have small wins and you keep building those small things. Or even the small wins are just like, before I knew what I was going to do with that music, I had four ideas what I was going to do with that music. I was thinking about, I had enough songs that I was going to release a song every other week for two years. You know, yeah. that was like one of the ideas. But it's like just having that music mm-hmm. was a win. Being in a space where like I'm there's something I can do with this, that's a win. And I do think that as you start to build the momentum of doing something where you decide like, okay, I'm really gonna do this, there's always something that's gonna come of it as long as you put in all the required effort and a little bit more than like it can't be the bare minimum. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's what we we it's not. I, I think people are, humans are just naturally lazy. Like we naturally want to do the easiest way. But if you can just be mindful of like, okay, what can I do to make this a little bit more challenging so that it stands out from the pack? You know, even though it might not make you the biggest motherfucker in the world, but it might, when people see your shit, they think of you like, this nigga does something different. This nigga goes harder than the rest of these niggas. You got separate. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what is your favorite song off that album? Uh, I, I was depressed. Yeah. I would say it's between 859, Limb, and Commas. So it's not Voices. It's not Voices, but that's that's one of my favorite songs I ever did. But also, this is one of those things. Double your line. No, my bad. Bro. You just broke up a little bit. Can you repeat what you said? I said voices is one of those songs where um where uh I heard it so many times that it's just like it's not it's not my favorite song, but although that's the thing too, don't get it twisted. Like there's not one song on that album that I don't like. Absolutely. You know, vo- voices is just like voices is low-key the, the song that made me decide that I was gonna make an album. Really? Yeah, Voices is the song that where I came up with the first album title because it was like, damn, this is like, it's like, I think to a lot of people, a lot of people misunderstand that song is like, I definitely was rapping like my favorite rappers at the time. I was listening to Young Thug and fucking Gunna and like, you know, Kids See Ghosts and shit like that. So that's like, you know, I was definitely making just what I felt like making, but that's the most raw, vulnerable I've ever been about my my mental health and like the the details of it and like the details of my life but um I was able to put it in a way that felt lighter than what it really was and I'm I was super proud of that song but I think maybe since I built the album around that after that 
I like how Limb, Limb was an older song than that. I like how Limb fit into that. And then I like 859 is the last song I made. I like how I was able to capture like the type of mania that goes on like mentally, you know, where like when, when you're like working these crazy ass hours and you're doing all this shit, you know, um, like going straight into the album. I think that's why I always say 859 first because it comes off of that super emotional song that I wrote literally crying, smoking a cigarette on the curb anyways. And then it goes straight into this like banger about just me like, about just like the manic side of you know the bipolar depression shit. Yeah, you caught a lot of the emotions that are chaotic in people's minds and exactly chaotic is a perfect word the and, chaos and, of those emotions. and voices is literally like the way that i interpret it was you can't like control the way that your thoughts are speaking to you and it's just like you, right. you can dig so deep into that song or you can take it for mm-hmm. the surface that it is and in, in the terms yeah. of like people you're gonna have voices in your head like telling you to do one thing and and like uh, getting you off the path that you want to go on. But like yeah. just the song in and of itself, not even the message, the song is a banger. Like you don't even need to play yeah. it. And you don't even need to, you don't even need to be that deep to enjoy it. Like, did you yeah. know that that was going to be the one to pop? Um, I had a feeling. I had a feeling and it's because of it's familiar. And I, I the thing is when I make music, at least at, back then, I tried to steer away from making shit like that, you know? But that's also because I didn't have a taste in music like that when I was younger. So Why would you want to stay away from that, the emotional vibe? No, not the emotional vibes, the familiarity of, like, it just sounded like something that, it just sounded more like other shit that was out, you know? And I used to try not to do that, but that oh, song okay. made me feel like, oh, I can, like, make shit like this in my own way. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, like, yeah, that, I knew that song was going to be one of the biggest ones. I probably thought that... uh Probably thought move around with IDK would have did uh would have been bigger. Still calling, I thought would have been bigger. Um commas would have been bigger, but also these are all videos we didn't these are all songs we did videos to also. I think the video for voices helped it a lot too. And yeah, we put our all into that one. And you got five projects out right now, but we haven't got an album out from you in two years, and we need some Kembe. So you got one plan to drop soon? I got, I'm going to drop mad music. I'm going to drop music in forms of song packs, singles. I'm going to be doing some whole different shit too. Like how I said, the way I'm approaching social media and shit, like you're going to have, it's, you're going to have Kimbe. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have singles. You're going to have music. You're going to have everything. You've been coming with it the past few months. I mean, we got some with Absol, Guap Dad, the, the last one under pressure of Rex Life Raj. What kicked you um, into high gear this year? This is the, this is the thing. Like y'all got to understand, like, I made I made scared. I got the Denzel verse last year, but I made scared in like September of 2019. I made too bad. I got the Guap Dad verse last year during quarantine. Damn. Oh, you but made- I made I made too bad April 2019. I have a whole I got an EP with Super Mario. I don't remember which was whatever the last Drake song that went number one. Super Mario produced that. I got a I got like and and this shit that like. Like I was saying earlier, you make all these songs, but then you got to work out the kinks to figure out how to present this the right way so that it hits. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it so hard? I got you, hella shit. Isn't it hard for you to hold on to a song you made last year and then yes, drop? Yes, yes, yes. It's hard as fuck. It's hard as fuck. But it's reward. It's rewarding. Like, I'm. I want to find a better way to do it than how I've been doing it. But yes, it's extremely rewarding. You're such a like new artist now than you are a year ago. I never understand that. It's crazy. Yeah, always. I mean, I'm somebody that I got like I make like 
I make like I have songs that sound like some acoustic ballad folk songs now and shit. Like I'm always gonna evolve because, like I said, I'm not the same person that I was last year at all. And like that's it's a little bit scary of how people might take that, but I'm really I'm ready to see what the fuck is up because like I don't I, I I like it's it's exciting. It gets me out of bed, even though it's scary. It gets me out of bed to see like. How is this going to go? Like, how are niggas going to take this? Like, are niggas going to hate this? Are niggas going to love this? Is this going to be the thing that makes me choose? Because I'm doing something different that people wouldn't expect, you know? So, because I just, playing the safe is like, I'm getting too, I'm I'm not getting no younger, bro. I can't yeah. And like, I'm people. Safe when I'm 50. Well, like, when you're an artist, they love you for a specific sound. Like, they want you to keep making the same song, like, over and over again. So, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I make, I make that shit still, though, too. You know what I'm saying? But it's just not all that. Everything is not that. Anymore. I got to hear the folk stuff, man. It sounds wild. Yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> all right, bet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it through. We'll get an article on that. I'm, I'm with it. And uh, how do you keep pushing yourself to stay on top of the craft, man? It's such a competitive field. Sometimes I can't. You know what I mean? But, like, when, I, when I'm there, when I'm in this space, I go as hard as I possibly can. Cause I know that like, I don't take these spaces for granted when I'm inspired and I'm really ready to move. Like when you hit me up to do this shit, like maybe a month and a half, two months ago, I was coming out of like a really, really dark space. I got a DUI, like that shit, like that's like not being able to drive and move around and realizing how bad my alcohol problem was and shit, that fucked, that fucked with me. That fucked me up really bad. And like, I was not, like I was still making music, but it was super dark and it was, I didn't like how it sounded. I didn't like, the fact that this is what I feel like talking about, you know? So when I'm in this space now, this type of space I'm in now, I just take advantage of it and do as much as I can with it. You feel mad relaxed and just like laid back and let, letting things flow. Nah, man, it's it's dope. I can feel the energy. It's good. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So, yeah, I wanna, man. I, got, I just got some like random questions too. What's your recording process like? You freestyle or you write or is it a mixture? It depends. It depends. Voices I didn't write one word. No way. I don't believe it. But but some no, nah, I didn't write none of it. Freestyle down. the whole thing. I didn't freestyle it. It yeah. wasn't like off the top freestyle, yeah. but like Damn. I came up with it. You know, I'm listening to the beat and coming up with it in my head and then recording it because I know sometimes trying to record something that I'm reading, it just takes a little bit of edge off of the way that I say the words. You know, so like when I'm reciting it, when I'm saying it from memory. I'm I'm able to play with my voice like on the fly and like do cooler shit, you know. Um, but sometimes I write I write a whole verse, and the end of the verse end up being a hook before I even got the beat, you know. So I do all kind of shit. Sometimes me and uh, Wolf that produce voices, who's also my roommate, um, he'll just play the guitar and I'll just start singing, and like that'll become that's like more of the folky shit. But sometimes that's an R and B song. Sometimes that's a rap song. But, like, I have a lot of, and that's the type of shit that I'm going to start showing more of. I'm realizing, like, even if other, it don't even matter if other niggas do that. You know, like, it's unique. It's something that people should see that I do. They should see that side of me. That's dope. So you don't have one way. You kind of just go with whatever ways, whatever, like, the room is, like, requiring at that moment. That's fire. What I benefited the most from being out here and being around TD is just, and just being around artists in general, too, is that, the, the will to make something out of nothing at any moment is usually, it's usually scary. It's usually like, damn, what the fuck is going to end up sounding like? But it's always rewarding. Even if it's not a song that you will put out, it's always like, okay, 
Like you learn something, you hear something new. You, I might have a whole song that I don't like, but the way I say one line, it's like, damn, that's like a whole style. You know what I'm saying? And then boom, put on the next beat and then do that. And there's always, you know, it's always something to be gained just from being creative. It just can't be so forced. And sometimes it is forced. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you sit down and do some shit and it's not coming out right. And you, you just like, no, I'm not doing this right now. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to have that balance. That's what I learned. And what's the room look like? Do you have a lot of people in the room with you or is it just you and the engineer? It doesn't matter. But what I will say is that it it depends on the, like the only thing that it's like the mood. Like if, if I'm making something really dark, then it's probably not something that a whole bunch of people gonna want to be around. I'll make it still, you know what I'm saying? But like, if I know I'm going to be making some more like cerebral, emotional shit, that's not like a fucking vibe. Niggas just gonna hear me like venting. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm not yeah. gonna invite a whole bunch of people to the studio, but if a whole bunch of people end up at the studio, I don't care. That ass, that's crazy. Wow. I, I would yeah. I would have think that when you're getting mad deep and emotional, I'd be like, yo, everyone get out. Like I need to like yeah. that's wild. No, that's cool. Uh that's well, it's, like, it's it's kind of a thing too, where it's like I, I do like to, especially when I remember to, like I said, I do like to challenge myself. You know what I'm saying? I like to challenge myself. Can you do me a favor, bro? Can you go hit that intercom over there and go? So go in that parking lot, hit the intercom and say, uh, yeah, just go in the parking lot. But um, but hit the intercom and say for KBX, my bad, I gotta check into the studio session. But um, like if I if I remember to, you know, I always want to push myself to like be comfortable even when I'm uncomfortable because then, you know, if I push myself, the emotions are gonna come out like like more genuine because of the fear in there. You know what I'm saying? Is is there any advice you'd give to a younger Kambi X? Make more music. <laughs> yeah, that one. Put, put one on yeah, make more music and um make more music and don't overthink. Don't overthink every line. Like something that's helped me make music too is like, especially rapping, but rapping and singing, like if I get stuck on a line now, I just write the next one. You know, I write the next one because that that those two lines might be in. But like, if I get to the end of the verse, I might pick up steam again. Cause you don't, you don't get to pick, you don't get to pick when what you're saying is gonna be hard. You just get to pick that you say something and you have the intention to. You know what I'm saying? And I got another question for you. Is there uh, anything you would tell an artist coming up right now to watch out for in the industry? Um, watch out for your own ego. Don't ever, don't believe your own hype. I call it drinking your own juice. Do not drink your own juice. Don't believe that shit. It's not, it's good to believe in yourself and know what you're capable of, but like, don't, don't, don't believe your own hype, bro. Because even if you're doing very well, that shit, you have to keep that shit up. Bro. Nah, that's good advice. A lot of people, a lot of artists definitely get in their own head. Cause you gotta believe you're the best sometimes, you know, but, but still. You gotta, you gotta know you're the best, but it's like a certain way that you gotta, that you don't move. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying like you don't want to you don't want to move like a dickhead, and you don't want to you don't want to move like a dickhead to other people or to yourself to where you think you're so dope that you don't fall more and more and more in love with what you're doing. Which I definitely have made that mistake multiple times. 